we heard St. Paul say to us in the second reading today, he said, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. That's a, that's a tall bar, okay? It really is. But we can, we truly can do everything for the glory of God. Even if we think about our recreation. Think about the word recreation. Recreation means to recreate, to be made new. We need to rest. We need to be recharged that we can continue our journey in life. So we can, we can understand that everything that we do, we eat to nourish our bodies, that our bodies would be capable of giving glory to God. It truly is a mindset that St. Paul wants us to embrace, that we do everything for the glory of God. I, I had the privilege of going on a retreat some years ago with Opus Dei. Opus Dei is Latin for the work of God. And, and the retreat director was telling me about some of the work that he does in, in this community. And he, is, he has a friend who's a medical doctor. And the medical doctor said that, uh, you know, and they don't brag about this, but this was a conversation between him and his spiritual director, his priest, that he would write on the top of all of his patients' charts, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And he would remember that he wasn't, he wanted to be a professional. He wanted to be excellent. He wanted to be esteemed for his work. All of those good things, but he ultimately wanted to do it for what? The glory of God. The glory of God. And so whatever you do, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a carpet make, uh, uh, you know, a cabinet maker, whether you're a, a physician, whether you're a teacher, Everything, everything for the glory of God. That is the call that our, that St. Paul gives to us to be imitators of him as he is an imitator of Christ. So why were you made? Christianity 101, why were you made? To know God, to love God, to serve God. You were created to participate in the glory of God. So all that we do for the glory of God. Why do we fall short of the glory of God? Why do we fall short of doing all things for the glory of God? We could sum it up maybe in one word, sickness. Okay, we can be physically sick, we can be mentally sick, we can be spiritually sick. Jesus is the divine physician. He comes to heal us. This is his, this is Jesus's opus. This is his great work to heal us. Today is the world day of the sick or the world day of healing in the church. And we have a story in the Old Testament today about a disease, a man who had a disease, leprosy. And this disease was contagious. It was disfiguring and ultimately it was deadly. Leprosy is like a sign of sin disfigures us and kills us, separates us. And the Jews would have understood. The first reading today was about someone coming down with leprosy. They have to go show themselves to the priest. The priest declares that they indeed have leprosy. And guess what they're not allowed to do? 
they are not allowed to go to the temple. They are excluded from everything, but in a particular way, they're excluded from going to the temple because they have this disease. And, and again, there's a lot of layers of challenges along those lines, but uh, they have to call out unclean, unclean. Why were we created to know God, to love God, to serve God, to be happy with God for eternity? What is our journey fulfilling the reason we were created? To encounter God in our worship. The Jews were commanded three times a year to present themselves before God in the temple. Three times a year at the Passover, at the, at the uh, Pentecost, and at Tabernacles. But if you had leprosy, guess what you couldn't do? You couldn't go. You couldn't do that. You were excluded. And so Jesus comes, right? Jesus comes and he's going to touch this leper. Now, ordinarily, you touch a leper and you become defiled. You become unclean. You're no longer allowed into the temple. But when Jesus touches the leper, what happens? Jesus remains whole and he gives his holiness and his healing to the man, right? And so then Jesus touches him, cleanses him. And this is the good news that Jesus, the divine physician, comes to heal us. If you will, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. And so Jesus does. He bears. Now, here's the here's this part of the story I really want you to get. When Jesus touches the man and he's healed and he can go back to the temple, he can reintegrate himself into life. Jesus gives him a command. Don't tell anybody. Right. But he does tell everybody. And so what happens to Jesus? It said it right in the story, said it right in the story. Now, what happens to Jesus? Now Jesus can't go into town. Now Jesus is so kind of filled with notoriety that he has to isolate himself from everybody. There's so much clamor and craziness about him that he basically has to hide out in the desert. And so you see the reversal of positions. Jesus, listen, y'all, this is so important. This is like absolutely critical for you to understand. Jesus takes the place of sinners. Jesus takes the place of sinners. He takes our sickness on himself. This is the cross. The cross is the symbol of the consequence of sin. The cross is the symbol of the reality that sin is deadly, that it kills, that is the sickness of the mind and the body and the spirit. And Jesus comes into the world not to beat us down, but as I have said a hundred times, to lift us up. He takes our sin upon himself. Now, 
there is this idea out in the world, and, and I don't know why this has been kind of compelling me to do some reading and prayer and study. There is this idea out in the world that God the Father Almighty poured out his wrath on Jesus, that he poured out his anger on Jesus, that he had to punish somebody for sin. And Jesus said, punish me, even though Jesus did nothing wrong. That's not really the way it works. It works like this. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God among us. And God who, because sin is real and has consequences according just to the law of reality, that it has consequences that are harsh, God comes himself as a man and takes his, our sin upon himself as an act of love and mercy. He becomes the leper. He becomes sin for us. And there is, of course, there is suffering and difficulty and trial and murder and abuse that is part of the consequences of sin. And Jesus takes them on himself, right? He takes our place. He takes the place of the leper. This is the good news. This is the great news. This is what we should be filled with gratitude for God for pouring his mercy on us and pouring his wrath out, if you will, upon Jesus. Jesus who takes our nature, but not our, our sin, but he takes the consequences of our sin. Now back to this leper. Jesus gave him a command, didn't he? What was the command that he gave him? Go show yourself to the priest. Don't tell anybody. Did he follow the command of Jesus? Say no, Father Mike. <laughs> Imagine that. That Jesus touches us with his mercy. And then we don't follow his commands. Could such a thing happen? Could such a thing happen? It happens all the time. We are touched by Jesus in baptism. And we are cleansed and healed. We are touched by Jesus in the sacrament of reconciliation. We are touched by Jesus most profoundly, most personally, most intimately in the Holy Eucharist. And he comes to heal us. He comes to welcome us into the community. But so often we are touched by Jesus and we turn our back on him and we are disobedient to his command. We pray this day that as he touches us as the divine physician, as he touches us as we are, as we are the leper, that's us in the story. That's us. That's you and me. If you will it, you can make me clean. I do will it. I make you clean. Gives us a command. And then we promptly don't always do that. So we pray today that we would not be a leper that disobeys the command of Jesus, but that we would be touched by Christ and that we would be transformed by him. I'm going to pray for you a little prayer. And maybe as I pray it out loud, you can pray it in your heart. This is the pray of Saint prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas before he would receive Holy Communion. He would say, 
Almighty, and you're praying this with me in your heart, Almighty and eternal God, behold, I come to the sacrament of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as one sick, I come to the physician of life, as one unclean, I come to the fountain of mercy, as one blind, I come to the light of your eternal splendor, poor and needy to the Lord of heaven and earth. Therefore, I beg you, through your infinite mercy and generosity, heal my weakness, wash my uncleanness, give light to my blindness, enrich my poverty, clothe my nakedness, that I may receive the bread of angels, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, with reverence and humility, with contrition and devotion, with purity and faith, with purpose of intention, and that that aid will be my soul's salvation. Grant, I beg you, that I may not only receive the body and blood of our Lord, but also its full grace and power. Give me the grace, most merciful God, to receive the body of your only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, in such a manner that I may deserve to be intimately united with his mystical body and numbered among his members. Most loving Father, grant that I may behold for all eternity you face to face in your beloved Son, whom now on my pilgrimage I am about to receive under the sacramental veil. And I ask this through you who live and reign in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, world without end. Amen. So, my brothers and sisters, it's Mardi Gras, right? Say yes, Father Mike. Don't trade your soul for a trinket, okay? Don't trade your soul for a trinket. Don't forget that you are a Christian. Don't forget that you have been washed by the waters of baptism, that you have been touched and welcomed. Don't forget that Jesus Christ took your place as a sinner and pours his love and grace upon you. Don't forget that. Don't ever, ever, ever forget it. And especially don't forget it at a silly parade. Don't forget it.